are listening to Farm and Fiddle, the podcast that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. Every week since June 1999, we have brought you the best voices in sustainable agriculture to the radio airwaves on Mid-Missouri's KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Rhett Hartman. I'm Margot McMillan. Here, I am Margo McCarthy. I'm Red Hartman, and we have got an amazing show today. So we have Gary Heingartner and Ryan Bort on hand, and Gary is the owner of Wood Hat Distilleries. You might have gone past their place out on I-70 around New Florence. Ryan is the distiller. He's been there for a couple of years, so it's really fun to have you guys here. Thank you so much for making the trip up to Columbia, and we're glad to have you here. Well, cool. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. And we got an exciting topic tonight. We're going to talk about whiskey. Yes. Whiskey and bourbons and cordials. We will. And we're going to... Sorry, and Lewis and Clark, just to throw in, just to throw in. (laughs) That's our culture. That's the culture part of the of the evening. Okay, well, you know, these guys have planned a celebration. This is kind of a unique thing here in Missouri. We didn't even really know we had whiskey in Missouri until just recently, and they have already put together a Missouri Spirits Expedition. And as Rhett said, they kicked it off. Yesterday, when this at the same moment that Lewis and Clark kicked off their expedition, and they've got you won't believe this, I know, but they've got 31 stops of distillers here in our state that you can go and visit. I just wanted to to have you start things off, Gary, with a little bit of explanation of where your place is, whether people can visit, what what are you doing, what got you interested in this? Just kind of talk about Wood Hatch Distillery. Well, we're at New Florence, Missouri, at the 175 exit, uh, right on the service road. And uh, we're kind of unique in a lot of ways. First of all, we grow our own corn, and we're in the process of all the process. We grow corn and wheat, and uh, we do berries and cordials, and we we get it all locally, okay? Uh Yeah. And we do it right there, but we do things a little bit different than most people. And, of course, when you get into whiskeys and bourbons, the big grain is corn. Uh And most of the whiskey in this country... And other countries as well is made from corn that we really grow for cows and pigs and ethanol plants. Hmm. And nobody's looking after taste. Wait and a so minute. We're so we're looking after taste. T- whiskey's a taste thing. So we, huh. we use different corns that people eat. And we use Hopi Indian Blue. We use a Bloody Butcher Red. We use white corn that the different ethnic grooms have grown for years. And that's it tastes better. Makes a better whiskey. Nice. And so I know people can't see this, but um, Gary has brought along some of the samples of the corn and some of them I have never seen before. Some of them are dark red. There's a blue. There's several that are white. uh, There's a real vivid yellow. These are not your genetically engineered Monsanto corns, are these? No, these are the corns that were really here before white man got here. And and some of these have been, we've taken them out of genetic seed stock and researched things and gathered them from different sources. And we grow them and uh, we pick out the best ears 
put it plant it back next year we do it the old way and we've been doing it for years and years so mm-hmm. don't yield very good oh, but huh. they taste good and whiskey's about taste so you know people say well there's a difference in corn well it's kind of a you know is there a difference in grapes sure. if there's a difference in tomatoes yeah how about carrots and lettuce and cucumbers and whatever else mm-hmm. we all know that's true so if you use a different corn you make a different whiskey End of discussion. So each of your whiskeys is made from a certain corn. So you've got this blue corn here, for example. Do you have a certain whiskey you make with that blue corn? Yes, we do. A, we really do three different. Well, I guess all together we'd make five different things that have blue corn in them. Mm-hmm. So this is the Hopi Indian blue that blue corn chips, blue corn tortillas. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, we know that blue corn chips are different than yellow corn chips. Mm-hmm. And we know that to be true, but when you transfer that into a whiskey situation, you bring some of those things in. So mm-hmm. when I uh, I was an agronomist, I mean, I got a master's degree in agronomy and worked with corn all my life. And mm. it just never made sense to me that we would make whiskey out of what we grow for cows and pigs and ethanol plants. So let's look at corn that people, humans, have decided that it tastes good. Mm-hmm. And that's blue corn. If you look at from the southwest U.S. all the way to Mexico, Central America, all the way to Chile and Argentina, they all use blue corn. So that's the biggest, the corn that's used the furthest among a great diversity of humans that say that's good tasting corn. So that's where we started was with that corn, and we've mm-hmm. maintained it to this day. So just to, to ask as an agronomist, what, how do you grow this corn without um, it getting cross-pollinated with, I mean, here we are in mid-Missouri, well, now this year, maybe everyone doesn't have corn because of, of all the rain, but many years, every single field has corn in it. How do you keep your corn strains pure? It's not that difficult. The people are really worried about pollen traveling four miles. is totally ridiculous. Hmm. You know, you can plant blue corn right beside yellow, walk out into the blue corn and strip it back, and you'll only go about eight or ten rows. That's all we do. We plant it. We used to hide it from the coons and the deer and so forth, and that's all we did is just showing where it was at because it like it so much better <laughs> than the commercial corn. So now we plant it right in the middle, and they kind of disguise it, but they'll make paths right through the yellow corn to get to the blue. We have to decide you have to walk the rows and decide where the pollen went, mm. and it's easy. You can see that yellow pollen because you're going to have a yellow corn, huh. and so we just strip back. We never had it travel more than about eight rows. Really? Yeah, that's that's a lot of hype about that. Uh-huh. Oh, and and h- hype is what gets you attention. You that's know? right. So that's, then it becomes a, a standard, right? Uh-huh. So when you get so much hype, then you get the, everybody starts believing it, and then facts are irrelevant. Oh, isn't that the truth? It is the truth, yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, that's what we do, but we don't really have to worry about it. We do have some isolated fields. I mean, where I live, i got three and a half acres around my, fi- my house. There's no corn in two miles of that. Good. We do some of some creek bottoms that... We don't grow that much corn. We have about 15 acres of blue corn. We're going to do about 20 to 25 acres of red corn this year. Some of our specialty corns, we're going to do some plot work. We've got some really unique corns that we're going to be propagating over the next two or three years. So we're planting the corn today that we're going to make whiskey out of in five years. Okay. Has the rain uh, messed you up this year? Yes. Oh, we haven't okay. planted a thing. We're terrible. We're, hopefully <laughs> tomorrow we're going to start getting some stuff in the ground. This is a really strange year. We're a month behind easy. Do these uh, different corns, these non-say uh, uh, commercial or traditional corns, do they take this or can you seed them and can you harvest them with the same machinery as 
uh, conventional corns. Right. Yeah, you use the same machinery. Mm-hmm. You you basically what we probably do is we go back, probably and plant corn like we did in the sixties. You know, we're not looking at the the great yields we do today. We've we've culled all those corns that didn't yield good for seventy years. You know, so mm-hmm. it's all about yield, and mm-hmm. nobody's looking after taste. I mean, cows and pigs don't get to vote, right? <laughs> so it's when you make whiskey, you can vote, and you can tell in a hurry, oh my God, where do you get this taste? Well, that's Buddy Butcher Red. You know, so uh-huh. we got the best whiskey in the United States among craft distillers last year with our Bloody Butcher Red corn. You know, fourteen hundred distilleries. And which hook home the, the Grand Kahuna. Yeah. Congratulations. I, I, I think that's worth repeating because, like, just saying it is one thing, but, like, to imagine that a distillery in Missouri using these heirloom varieties, like, uh, you know, it's, you think, oh, that's just some marketing scheme or whatever, but no, they're winning the taste uh, contest. Right, yeah. We had, in fact, the last two, the last three years among nation, two of the Grand Kahunas went to Missouri distilleries. So we've been talking about this corn, but we haven't really talked about how the whiskey is made. And maybe um, we should turn to Ryan because he's the distiller. Maybe you can tell us, Ryan, how... So, okay, so we've got this corn. We take it off the cob, I assume. Yeah, we shell it with the combine. That's where you start step one, dry Mm -hmm. it down. And then at that point, it's like any other corn out there. It's just going to be kernels of corn. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't do anything with that. We've got to break that down. So what we do is we grind that into like like a corn flour. And that allows that water, when we start cooking in the process, um, to get in there and help the starch break down and let the enzymes we use convert that starch into sugar. From there, we need to go into the fermentation process. So after we cook it, we start the fermentation process by adding yeast. Now, yeast will take that sugar we just made and convert it into alcohol. So Mm -hmm. it takes about four days. We'll leave it in one tank for about four days. And over that time, that yeast will eat the sugar and convert it all over to alcohol. After that, we can actually start the distillation side of everything. Mm. So there's a lot of process goes into it before you get to actually getting something you can drink. Mm-hmm. So what does distillation actually mean? What did, how do you do distillation? Well, distillation is always, it's a fancy term for separating. So you're, you're, you're boiling out Thanks. alcohol. Alcohol boils off at a lower temperature than water. So when you bring it up to a high temperature, but not high enough to boil the water out, you're going to boil all the alcohol out and leave everything else down behind. So we do it in a big pot with a column on top. So as that alcohol vaporizes, that vapor will make its way through the column where it gets purified hmm. and gets the higher proof. And then we cool that vapor back down to a liquid form where we actually are able to collect it. And then that's where we go from there. Huh, okay. I, I believe there's something about aging. Yeah, so after... A, all your spirits are going to come off a still clear mm-hmm. because any kind of vapor is going to be clear. You ever make soup and it, you start okay. heating it up, you know, it doesn't come off the color of the soup. It comes off clear. Right. I was thinking if you've got pure alcohol as a vapor, like what good is fancy corn? You could make alcohol out of anything and it's still alcohol. This is true. Yeah. But the taste transfers over. Oh, the tastes follow yes. in that vapor. Interesting. If you distill grapes, you end up with a brandy. Or fruit, you know, you, you end up with the brandy. You just still, why am I drawing a blank? <laughs> well, it, it comes down that we don't make 100% pure yes. alcohol. Right. So when you boil that solution into vapors, there's a lot of stuff in that vapor just besides alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, and you leave a lot behind, but we the flavors and colors don't come over. Mm-hmm. But there's things in that corn that, besides color, that color is tied to other things. And taste also goes. We don't know a lot about that, quite frankly. 
you know, we don't know what chromosome is in. We're just now starting to understand those things because nobody really cared before. It's a new thing, you know. We're we're learning a lot, and we're on the forefront, really, right here in Missouri. Yeah, is anybody else using these heritage breeds to make their whiskey? Any other folks that, that have whiskey for sale? Right, but they're not as good as we are. Oh, well, <laughs> I know that, Gary. I'm not, yeah. So, yes, there are but several. But there are people They're on the it. forefront. There, there's a handful of people that mm-hmm. are. In fact, now there's a lot of people. We've been out there, and we've got a lot of notoriety and Quite frankly, we won the best of show in Denver International just here a month or two ago. And that's where all the big guys, you know, we beat all the Kentucky guys. For years, we've been sending our corn and we're barrels. You know, everybody in the world uses Missouri barrels. Okay, so we've been shipping them our barrels. We've been shipping them corn. And all of a sudden, it's Kentucky whiskey. We need to be doing this at home. You know, we make... And then (laughs) last night, I gave a little program down at the Arch where we kicked off the... The Lewis and Clark Trail. You know, mm-hmm. that's Missouri's or anything. That's, And we did that last night at 215 years later after they did it. Mm-hmm. But we need to be beating the drums on Missouri whiskey. We all drink it. So it's our corn. Uh-huh. It's our barrels. And we send it to every place else in the whole world. And then we buy it back. I mean, go down to the liquor store and count how many things are made in Missouri. And then you try to count how many are not made in a Missouri barrel. You take a bushel of corn, I mean, you're talking about a farm program, a bushel of corn is less than four bucks. So you send them a barrel, you send them some $4 corn, and they send back $500 whiskey. Okay, now what's wrong with that picture, right? So that's what the Missouri Craft Distillers are doing, is we're changing that picture. If you look about value enhanced, you cannot beat making whiskey out of corn, period. And we can do it better. We, We know where it's at. We're more control over. It's more visible. It's your neighbor. You know, and we might as well be keeping that value added. You know, and, and I'm, I'm conservative there. And I, we're, we're on the air, so we've got a product called Bloody Butcher Red. It's made from Bloody Butcher Corn. It got the best whiskey last year. Got a gold in Denver. Took it to Berlin. Got a gold in Berlin. So it's a good whiskey. You know, not just, I'm not saying that. The whole world's saying it's good whiskey. And we've been out of it. Today, we packaged another 120 bottles of Bloody Butcher Red. So the listeners, there's a bunch of people in Columbia that say, okay, I'm coming tomorrow. So you better hurry. There's not going to be that much. But it's great. And it's back to the core. You know, we're doing it right, we're doing it local, and we're doing it in a very unique way. And we have in the studio here Gary Heingartner from Wood Hat Distillery and Ryan Bort, distiller with Wood Hat Distillery. These guys are here for a couple of reasons. One, you know, just to make us aware that there's whiskey making here in our state of Missouri, and it's really good stuff, and they're winning prizes with it. We're going to hear more about that in a minute. But also, they've got going a Missouri Spirits Expedition, which just kicked off. And believe it or not, 31 stops out of 33 members of their association, 31 distillers in our state that you can go and visit. Uh, You get a passport. And maybe tell us a little more about how they get that passport and um, what's involved with that expedition. Well, cool. We've got kind of look at the Lewis and Clark expedition thing. We've got a lot to discover in Missouri in terms of distilled spirits. So we've kind of used that theme. So instead of a map, you know, we've got a passport. And you're going to go to each one of the distilleries, which is going to be an outfitter. 
Uh-huh. Okay, and then you're going to get your passport stamped. And so as you come along and get more stamps on your passport, you win prizes. Uh-huh. That's redeemable in whatever you want. You want to turn it in at that distillery. You want to take it to the one down the road and turn it in, or it's a universe. It's cash. So nice. it's going to make it fun. You know, it's a lot uh-huh. of stuff out here. I mean, not only whiskeys, we got vodkas and gins and, my gosh, you know, absinths and... Uh, what else we got? A uh, rums. We got and rums. Agave spirits. We, we like, got we got the whole yeah. smear here. You know huh. we got distilleries that are named after horses. We got three mule distilleries in the state, well, and one distillery is even sense. in a cave. Huh. So there's a lot to discover out there. And no doubt. Locally here in Columbia, we've got our own local distillery. Uh-huh. You know, yes. Dogmaster. Dogmaster. And Dogmaster yeah. is going to have. The passports and all the information. Van's on the committee that kind of created this thing, so okay. he will be a good source, and we'll bring some up to you guys. Okay. So you guys can have the passports here. So. Yeah. So KOPN will have a little handful of them. Yeah. You have them here. And we'll be around, them. and maybe ultimately we'll have some chamber commerce and liquor stores and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of a fledgling group. Uh huh. We didn't have thousands and thousands to spend on this, so we're kicking off and learning as we go. Uh huh. So. It's kind of going to, it's exciting. Yeah, and Brett's already got a connection with you on the Facebook page, I believe. So if you go to Farm and Fiddle on uh, Facebook, you will find the Missouri Spirits Expedition web page, web page or Facebook page. Uh, anyway, with a little with a little bit of a video on there and the map, and you can figure out how to get started on it. It's very cool. You know, I, I wanted to ask you, Gary how you got interested in making whiskey and how you learned uh, all of these things about corn and that kind of thing. I mean, this is kind of an unusual um, passion, and I I just wondered what got you started on it. Well, as a kid, we grew up and cut white oak stays for making barrels. That's one of the things we did in the wintertime. So I I knew that Uh from a kid. So... I got a degree in biology, and I love the whole fermentation process. And then I got a master's degree in agronomy. Spent most of my professional life dealing with growing grain and mostly corn. Mm-hmm. And then for 17 years, in the tail end of my professional career, I worked for Independent State Company. Oh, you did? Yeah. Ah. So that's, that's a big four things. You only got four things when you're making whiskey. Uh-huh. You got your grain, you got your barrel, you got water, and you got time. Hmm. So your grain and your barrel are two major factors. And the more you understand about that, it's, it's major. It's like making a sandwich. You got the stuff in the middle, but the bread is very important, right? <laughs> and breads are different, and what you got in the middle is different. And so that's the two things we deal with, and we, we really play with that a lot. We don't use generally the same barrel that everybody we ship out of the world we mm-hmm. there's some unique stuff in missouri and we we capitalize on some of that we use a lot of chinkapin uh how long we set it out in the rain and let it wash some of the tannins out is very important before we make the barrel hmm. the size of the barrel makes a big difference if you have a 15 gallon barrel there's three and a half times more wood per gallon than in a 53 <coughs> So two years in a 15-gallon barrel is worth about seven and seven and a half or eight years in a 53-gallon barrel. So we play with all those things. Then you can toast the barrel to different degrees. You can burn the barrel. So all those things go into that. And then where you store it? You're going to keep it in a cellar where the temperature is all exactly the same? 
or are you going to put it in a storage container out back in a steel shed so when the sun comes up, it heats up and it pushes that whiskey in the barrel? And when the sun goes down, it pulls it back out again. So <laughs> we age faster. So we take advantage of all those concepts to make some of the best whiskey in the world. Uh, one thing that was popular a while ago is beer that has been aged in whiskey barrels. I wonder if that's been a collaboration you've thought about or other local breweries have thought about. We started doing that five years ago. So, <laughs> so I'm behind, but that's so awesome. We, right. So we, we kind of pioneered that. Cool. So particularly locally, you know, uh, we work with Logboat. We work with Broadway. We work with uh, Les Bourgeois, and, and you know we, we try to tie that together. So when we get you through using a bourbon barrel, we can only use it one time. Hmm. So I just loan those barrels to a local brewery. They make a bourbon beer, okay? Hmm. When they get done with it, it's our barrel. We don't charge them anything. Hey, guys, do it. Have fun. Bring it back and tell me what you did. So they do whatever they do, bring it back, and we put more whiskey in it and age it again. So that barrel has got bourbon, beer, and more bourbon in it. And it really changes it up. So, you know, we work with uh, eight different breweries in, in Missouri. We've done 16 different kinds of stuff in it. And each one of our batches, and if you see it in the store, it's called Brew Barrel. And on the side of it, we have a little Wait, sticker. Your, your store is called Brew Barrel? No, no. The, the whiskey. The whiskey. Oh, there it is. So we call it Brew Barrel, and if you look on the side of it, there's a little sticker that says the brewery and what beer was in it. So we have a lot of people that collect each one of those because each one of them is kind of unique, you know? Yeah, so just so I'll tell the audience, uh, the front of it has a picture of a barrel with a stein of beer, and uh, it's kind of hand-drawn, pretty cool. Uh, then on one side, it has a sticker that says Missouri Grown, which refers to the, 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 the corn, I'm sure, um, and I guess the barrel. But the side says Friendship Brewing Carrot Cake. So the Friendship Brewing is a brewing company, and Carrot Cake was the beer they yeah, used? Yeah, they ah. do really some weird stuff. So that's in Wentzville, and when they made this stout... They threw a carrot cake in the beer. So, <laughs> and it's going to, you know, everybody's, oh, wow, it is. Now, I don't know whether they, because I said it, you know, your mind <laughs> is involved in taste. So, but it's kind of cool. And it's something that's new all the time. You know what? And we kind of left this, the uh, process off when we, when we got to the aging. And the aging, we should say, is done in barrels. How long do you age the the whiskey? Well, most of our whiskey we use 15 gallon barrels, which is not a standard size in the whiskey. Most of your big guys use 53 gallon barrels. We use smaller barrels. Hmm. Reason we do that is because you can age them a lot faster because there's more surface area for the volume of liquid inside. So a two year old whiskey in a 15, which is what typically we age our whiskey for, is equivalent to about a six year old whiskey in a 53 gallon barrel. So, and how it gets its color, because whiskey's brown, obviously, is that whiskey starts out clear, goes in the barrel clear, and as it heats up and it sets outside, it expands. So, where does it go? It's got to go in the wood. So, then it cools back down, and it contracts back in the barrel. So, over that two-year time period, that whiskey's going in and out of that wood. Uh It does a couple things. It it helps as a filter, because that wood will catch some of the, the longer chains of alcohol and hold it in there. And let some of the smaller chains go through. So you end up with just the best stuff left. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Well, Ryan, I should ask you the same question that I asked Gary. How did you ever get interested in this? Um, my dad was a home brewer, so growing up, I learned how to make beer. So I was always real interested in it ever since I was about six years old because he let me throw the hops in the beer and stir it. And, mm-hmm. You know, as I got older, I got to cap the beer bottles. Uh, once I was old enough to do it on my own, I did it on my own for a long time. Um, and I was like making beer and wine and ciders and meads and all kinds of fun stuff. But I was like, what else can I do? So uh, next step was spirits. And I've always had a love for whiskey, so why not whiskey? All right. Are you from Missouri? Yeah. Yeah. Are you from the neighborhood with, um, with Gary? No, I grew up about 20 miles east of there in a little town called Wright City. Oh, well, 20 miles, that's fine. That's not that far, but that's still. <laughs> that's just a good walk, just a good day's walk. Okay, I want to finish up when I started. You asked oh. me why I got interested. Oh, yeah. Well, I never okay. really told you that, so <laughs> I got I lost know. in the middle someplace. <laughs> but as really as an agronomist, I thought, you know, why are we making whiskey out of cow and pig feed? Yeah. You know, why don't we use what we, that's what I've started. So in 2012, I started planting blue corn, and we did it in 13. But the thing that drove me really was working for a barrel company, Independent Safe Company, which their world headquarters right here in Columbia. And I thought, we're seeing all these barrels going all over the world. You know, why don't we make whiskey in Missouri? And people said, oh, you got to do that in Kentucky. Oh. Why? Well, because. You know, and it just, I thought, why is this true? You know, I thought, so that's really I decided. And I went around and went, oh, you know, if you don't want to know what happens in Missouri, it's pretty easy to find out. You just go to the East Coast and the West Coast and add about five years. You got that right. You know, it's so true. So you that's what that I did. Right. I went to the East Coast. I went to the West Coast. And I said, okay, this is coming in five years. And then I went to Scotland. And when I went to Scotland, you know, there's, that's where whiskey comes from in this country. And so I thought, oh, man, this is so simple. There's no reason we shouldn't do this in Missouri. We got all the products here, you know. So that's why I got interested. And I saw all these barrels and wood from Missouri going all over the world. And we're not using any of it ourselves. This is crazy. Mm. So I banked everything. I jumped in with everything I had. And it's starting to pay off. All right. So what was the question you asked me so, then? <laughs> the next question was, you, talk, you talked at one of the oh, conferences. Oh, the taxes. That, about, yeah. The, well, the big reason we don't do it in Missouri is good. Because after Prohibition, they set the rate for the licenses. And if you want to make it, distribute it, and sell it in Missouri, it was a $1,250 licensing fee in 1932. Okay. You go back and look, that's about a 400-acre farm and a couple of Model T's thrown in. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to do it from scratch. So over time inflation has caught up it's a pretty big it's a pretty big bump for us today especially we're a beer state you mm-hmm. know in this just to look at missouri it costs six cents a gallon state tax whiskey's two dollars hmm. and if i was a winery yeah you said beer is six cents a gallon a gallon wow that's state tax so we got 34 cents of wine and we got two dollars in whiskey so and we haven't updated those forever so we're just now, the group of us has started some legislative process. As we speak in Jeff City in this very hour, they're deciding whether they're going to let us call Missouri bourbon, Missouri bourbon. Oh, my. So, yes, we set up some criteria, and it's all very, uh, you got to grow the corn in Missouri. you got to cook it, ferment it, distill it, and age it in Missouri in a Missouri barrel. 
So hopefully, not in the very near future, you'll be able to go to the store and say, that is all Missouri, and it's a Missouri bourbon. So, so we're making some stamp? headway. So yeah. now we need to work on licenses and fees and kind of change some of the laws that haven't been changed since 32. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time. And we're getting some we're getting some really good vibes from Jeff City. We got a lot of friends there, and we're going to start changing around because distilled spirits could be much bigger than wine ever was in Missouri. Those guys have had an uphill battle all the way with funguses, varieties. They got soil conditions, air conditions, you know, the whole thing. We don't have to change anything to make whiskey in Missouri. Half of it's already here. The other half is we're, it's already here also. We're just doing a better job of that half than most of the rest of the world. And uh, this is your future. Nice. Uh, that also feels like it could be a template for lots of other sort of foodways, Missouri, yeah. you know, other things. And I think that's awesome that you've, you all are kind of blazing a trail up to the Jeff City, which is where, you know, the rubber hits the road. Like we've talked about with KFOs and with other local food products, it's, it's these, uh, it seems like old traditions, going this one, going back to pro- Prohibition, which just kind of stack the deck into the favor of the huge companies and then you can't get small businesses started for simple things like this so i'm going to stop beating that drum and let you go on to your next question oh you can beat that drum you can beat that drum all you want to well we are really close to being out of time so let's just do one more little uh promotion for the missouri spirits expedition tell us again how that is going to go where people can get their passports well, get online and look at it. Missouri Craft Spirits Expedition. Mm-hmm. Search around there. We're a fledgling group, and quite frankly, we didn't get all the passports printed in time, so they're going to be a little scarce for the next 10 days. So here in town, I would beat my way down to Dogmaster Distillery, and Van's going to say, oh, they'll be here next week. Uh-huh. Or call him, you know. But they'll be around. Get on the net, Facebook, Instagram, and we'll have the word out there on where to get them.